Hello, hello! Thanks for tuning in. As I always say, today we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is sex. I see so many people that come in, and you know, they just feel like their sex lives are stale. They need to change things up. And if that's you right now listening in, then this is the perfect podcast for you. So my guest today worked a decade and a half at Apple and Facebook. Later, leaving her career in high tech to create down to there, she is a somatica sex and relationship coach and conscious sexual self group guide. Her ongoing studies include training with San Francisco Sex Information, American Association of Sexuality Educators, counselors, and therapists, California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, and JFK University's holistic counseling program. Through her writing, coaching, and workshops, she hopes to cultivate a safe space where cultural beliefs, social norms, and our own habits around sex and relationships can be challenged. And through this exploration and beginner's curiosity, she aims to encourage individuals and couples of all configurations to openly, honestly, and wholeheartedly live the erotic and intimate lives that they want to live. I'd like to welcome to the show Pam Costa. Enjoy. You're listening to Let's Do It with Melissa Risso, licensed marriage and family therapist, discussing mental health, relationships, and all the good stuff between the sheets. <laughs> Why, hello! Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So you have a very interesting topic, and that's really the background from what got you into sex therapy. Do yeah. you care to kind of give listeners a brief background about、sure. what got you into it? Yeah, yeah. I had gotten together with my husband back in college. We've been getting together for a long time, about twenty years now, actually. And our relationship, I think, was like a lot of relationships, and in my mind, kind of stereotypical, where we had a good sex life, but maybe it could have been—I was kind of on the lower、um, side of libido and desire, and and that to me seemed normal because it's kind of what you see portrayed, you know, out in the world and in media. Was that something consistent, or did it just gradually kind of go to、yeah. that place? Um, I think it was fairly consistent. I mean, maybe the early stages of our relationship, you know, things were a little bit more in the infatuation <laughs>、yes. stage, right? Yeah, I would、mm -hmm. say it was fairly consistent. It was something I always just kind of, you know, made excuses for and said that, oh, this is what's normal. Maybe if we go on vacation, it'll get better. Maybe if I change my birth control, it'll be better. Or maybe, and there was a lot of maybe's over the years. You know, maybe every six to twelve months, we'd finally sit down and have the talk about how we could, you know, make you know have sex more frequently, which was really his main request. Yeah, finally, it just had gotten to the point where he said, you know, if you could go see with someone about this, this would be great. What got it to that point? Out of curiosity. Yeah, I would say that it was just time. You just、uh, knew. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where you you said, "Well, when this happens, it'll get better. When this happens, it'll get better." And we had kind of gotten through all of those milestones in our life. When kid is older, when the birth control is different, when less stressful job at work, and、mm -hmm. all of those excuses had kind of run their course.、Mm -hmm. And he said, "You know, really, can you go see someone?" And I agreed only because he asked, not because I actually thought anything could change. 
So what were the next steps you guys both took together or separately? Yeah. So first I went to see my OB and I explained the situation to her. I said, hey, we have sex. It's good sex when we have it. But my husband wants it more frequently than I do. And I think this is causing problems for us. And she said, oh, yeah, (laughs) this is so common. Yes. And even just her saying that to me made my shoulders, you know, feel like they were carrying less weight. Yeah. And I often hear that too, where a lot of couples come in and they think they're the only ones experiencing lack of desire, wanting more desire from one partner or whatever the case may be. They feel very isolated as just them going through this. Absolutely. I mean, you kind of just see all of your friends and acquaintances at the surface level and you kind of make you know assumptions that things are going pretty well for them and you're the only one. Mm-hmm. And for her to tell me this was a huge common issue that she heard from a lot of her patients and she thought probably most of her patients, just not yes. everyone was willing to say it. And then she told me her story. She shared, you know, I wouldn't have expected a doctor to really tell me personal details about their life. And she shared her story with me and it made me feel really understood. And she said, you know, really, I don't know that the medical community has a lot to offer for you in terms of medications and things like that. And she said, you know, your blood work is normal. There's nothing out of realm of normal for your your hormones. And and she suggested seeing a psychologist, um, seeing a therapist. And I actually read somewhere, and I don't want to generalize, I don't know, so please make sure you do (laughs) research around this. But I read somewhere that doctors actually get only about 10 hours worth of training for sexual health which I was shocked to read about because it comes up so often for a lot of people. Yeah, I've heard the same. I've heard that it's just it is very limited in terms of what they get. And and even that, I, I don't think many are very comfortable talking about. If you go in yes. for your physical, it is pretty unlikely that you'll be asked, how is sex? How is your sexual health? It's just not a question that's part of your physical, which is crazy because it's a very physical part of <laughs> And it's great that she disclosed to you that Mm -hmm. she herself was going through different things personally, or she knew people too as well. So what were the next stages or steps that you took? Yeah, so we reached out to a bunch of different therapists in the area um, and was actually surprised to find they were all completely booked and not even accepting new clients, which surprised me and made me realize, wow, you know, on top of what she had told me that this is a common issue, this really is very prevalent. And we eventually found a sex coach, a sex and relationship coach that we ended up seeing. It was phenomenal. We learned so much about ourselves and about each other. Well, what was going on for you the first time that you actually went to a coach or knowing that you needed to see a therapist for your relationship? Yeah, I was uh, super nervous. Remember the first session, there were a lot of tears. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, when you've been together with someone for such a long period of time and many aspects of your life are going really well. And there's this thing that's not, I think in a healthy relationship, this, you know, would be a normal portion of your life. Um, When something's going wrong, it becomes a huge portion of your life. You think about it a lot. You obsess about it. You feel bad and guilty. You have resentment. And so I think all of those kind of swept under the rug emotions really came to bear in that first session. But I remember she just looked at me and made me feel normal and that she just told me, yeah, this is this is super common. You're you don't have to have sex if you don't want to. You can have it more if you want to. Talked about the taboos that society kind of places on you. 
and the beliefs that maybe you're raised with or see around you. That's what I love to ask my couples when they come in around topics, specifically sex. I ask, how were you raised around sex or what were the beliefs that you were raised around? And usually both partners have completely different Mm -hmm. backgrounds around sex or how they experienced sex growing up. Yeah. And I think there's, yeah, there's like the societal thing that we all get exposed to, um, you know, sex education is like abstinence only and (laughs) how to not get pregnant. So I think we're all kind of exposed to that, at least Mm -hmm. here in the U.S. And then the family, there can be really different experiences. And so Mm -hmm. just talking through that. And I remember also in that first session, just kind of understanding that that may have been how I was raised or that may have been what I was exposed to in society. But that also I had choice and it was okay to decide what I wanted to craft for myself. And that was really liberating. I wouldn't say that, I mean, I I was exposed to a lot of Christian beliefs around what I kind of summarize as keep it in your pants. (laughs) Um, So that was kind of part of my upbringing. And then my home that wasn't, there was never like sex is bad or anything like that. I don't think I matured really late in life. And I, I don't think I really had an opportunity to just pause and say, hey, what do I want here? In that first session, I started to get a glimmer of, wait a minute, maybe I can Maybe there's some opportunity here. And that actually shifted things for me. I went into that session thinking, I'm just doing this because I have to do this and nothing's really changeable. And I left that session thinking, huh, maybe things could be different. Maybe I can change or things can change. Yeah. That hope is so important for people too. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah. How long did you see the therapist for? We're still seeing her ongoing. Uh, I would say in the beginning, we saw her weekly to bi-weekly for maybe six to nine months. And then we started slowing down to monthly. And I think now we're a little more like six to 12 weeks um, between kind of what I call like tune-up sessions, you know? Yes. Always need those too. Yeah. But how should listeners go about finding a therapist that might be appropriate for what they're looking for? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely recommend just shopping like you would for anything that you really care about buying and really internet's great. So you can usually just by searching sex relationship or sex coach or sex therapist, you'll find a lot of results in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. If that's where you're at or wherever you are, you know, looking at their websites and seeing which ones kind of resonate with you. Like, hey, for some reason, I'm drawn to this website or this person. And then talking to them, you know, send an email if that's what you're comfortable with or give them a call and talk for, you know, five, 10 minutes everyone that I've talked to about this, I said, don't feel like you're obligated. Like once you even go to one session that you have to keep going and like, listen to your gut. And That's so important. You know, I, I feel very fortunate that the first person we went to, I left to the first session feeling so in tune with her and confident that she could help me. But I, I think a lot of people don't find that in their first try or even maybe their second or third. So I would encourage people to keep looking. And sometimes it does take two to three sessions to kind of get a sense of the therapist. But I also tell a lot of clients, you need to make sure that this person is connecting with you and it feels right because they're going to be changing you in different ways and teaching you different things that are going to mold who you are. And so you have to feel comfortable with this person. And especially around sex therapy, you want to make sure that the person first off has the training, is comfortable around the topic, but is giving the resources or whatever it is that you want to experience in sex or around sex, the right tools and tips and tricks and all that fun stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Their bios on websites are so good to kind of figure out what their background is. Mm -hmm. And 
what I realized in going through kind of coaching and therapy is that the change actually is going to end up coming from you. And so I was looking at like, does this person actually inspire me to want to change? Exactly. You know? exactly. <laughs> They're not going to do the work. Like you have to do the work. Yeah. What are some things that kind of led you into getting into this field then? I know I'm jumping yeah. around a lot, but I know yeah. there's a lot of interesting things that you can talk about today. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely kind of my own personal journey that has now just helped me want to make a difference in this field myself. We had a really great journey and I started talking about it with girlfriends. I'm just kind of privately at first because this was not a topic we talked about before. I know there's people that talk about sex with their friends. I was not one of those people. One of my girlfriends said, you know, we really should meet monthly and talk about this. And we started getting together in these small groups. And I think initially the women weren't even really telling their significant others like where they were going. You know, I'm going hiking or something. Secretive. (laughs) Yeah, a little secretive. And we started just realizing how cathartic it was to share our experiences and not in a kind of woe is me way Mm -hmm. where there's this downward spiral of, oh, my God, me too. And oh, this. But it was really this kind of uplifting way of just getting to kind of off gas those emotions and share what's going on. Really, the way that we structured it was don't give me advice But if you have an experience that is similar to mine and you did something that worked, tell me that. That's a great approach. It was so different and rewarding. And this was just, I mean, I was fully employed. This was just a side little project that I just wanted to share experiences. And over the course of the year, I saw so many shifts in all of these women's lives. And I was like, wow, this is the field for me. I need to do this more seriously. And I started taking classes and going to conferences. and. I started a blog to share not just with my friends, but the world, kind of the journey I had been on. And that's where I'm at now. Speaking of which, what's the name of your blog? Mm, I gotta say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, one of the first sessions I had to do was I had to do a breathing exercise. First sessions with my relationship coach to do a breathing exercise where I breathe first in my chest and then in my belly. And then all the way down to there just to see what I felt. And I found the exercise so powerful that when I was thinking of starting this blog, I was kind of batting around the idea with my mom. Like, what would it, my mom, my mom's willing to talk to me about this. That's great. Um, yeah, it really is. How <laughs> many parents you can uh, have yeah. these conversations with. Yeah, I was like, so I'm going to start writing a blog about my sex life. Um, what should I call the blog, mom? She kind of thought back to that first story. She's like, you should call it down to there. And so that's what it is. It's down to there.com. Yeah. What kind of things do you discuss on your website? So yeah, so know, um, your blog. Mainly, I'm sharing my own personal story, my husband's story too. <laughs> Thankfully, he's okay with. I was going to ask you that. How do you get on board? I think he also has been surprised by the magnitude of change in our sexual relationship throughout the course of this kind of journey, and. I think it makes him really happy, first of all, mm-hmm. because come on. And, and I think proud, too. Like, if I want to share the story so that I can hopefully help inspire others, he's really on board. In fact, I think encouraging me to do it. So that's great. Yeah, so I, I share stories, my own stories, and I'm, I'm pretty frank and raw and honest with them. I share vulnerabilities, like 
this is a journey that continues. It's not like I have it all figured out at all. And this um, is one of those topics you're never going to have it all figured totally. out. It'd be actually you, boring otherwise. Yes. <laughs> I mean, things are constantly changing in relationships or you're going to discover new things sexually too, which yeah. I love about this field, but I could go on all day about it, but I won't. <laughs> but it's great that you're speaking from the heart mm-hmm. and talking about your own experiences because again, it's really normalizing it for a lot of people. This is one of those topics that people have so many different emotions and things that come up for them and they feel so alone is what I often hear that I'm the only one experiencing this I'm the only one that maybe wants to have more sex with my partner or maybe I don't want to have sex with my partner or things are kind of stale and I mean the list can go on but it's great that you're willing to explore that and see the different things that are out there yeah and that's my goal kind of similar to that the way that I kind of explain the group is structured where it's about telling stories and not necessarily giving advice and in the blog is similar I want to share my story and if it inspires you to do something or try something like that's great and I try as much as I can to stay away from giving advice in the blog. Yeah, so we've just started kind of segueing from the blog to hosting events and doing workshops. What kind of workshops and events do you have coming up? I've been fortunate enough in in going through this um, kind of experience over the last couple years to just decide that I'm just going to take all of the workshops. And I write about them a lot in the vlog because they're rich stories. And uh, one of the workshops we've taken in the past year together, my husband and I, we went up to San Francisco and they have a jujitsu studio that every now and then hosts acro yoga which is kind of like partnered yoga where, you know, like when you were a kid and you did like Superman. Yep. Uh, it's like that. <laughs> and they decided that it would be really cool to bring rope bondage mm. into acro yoga. So imagine doing Superman, but your like leg is t- bound. Um, your two legs are bound together or something like that where you've got a little less control. There's more trust you need to put in your partner. There's communication that you need to do. And so they paired it in this really beautiful way in this workshop we took maybe a year ago. And since then, I've been following those two instructors and and what they've been doing. Um, So the form of rope bondage that they use is called shibari. It's an ancient Japanese uh, rope bondage, super beautiful knots. And the rope is kind of done with a lot of intention. And it's really beautiful. You know, Fifty Shades and all those kinds of things that come into people's mind, you know? Some people think instantly BDSM is this, you know, are you going to harm yourself? Or what if your partner is intentionally trying to harm you? That's what I really hear from a lot of people that is taking it to an extreme. And a lot of people are fearful of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Not all. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, some people that's going to be a turn on and other people that's going to be way over the line of what they're interested in. And and really what I'm hoping to do with this event and what I've seen is... In the workshops that I've been to is that you know certainly there's there's gradients here but if you're just kind of you know dipping your toe in the water well what is this art when I experienced it I almost got into a little bit of a meditative state just sitting there and letting my partner tie me up was a very vulnerable thing to do it required a lot of trust it required us being together in a way that we're not normally together. It required me to think about, do I give him feedback? How can I give him feedback that he can take in? And, you know, it's the same thing when you're having sex. All yes. of this stuff directly applies. So I found it to be a wonderful art to explore those concepts, those intimacy concepts. And a lot of people I know that have tried this, they all say it's so beautiful. It, mm-hmm. Like you just said, it's very meditative. It takes you to a whole different level, that trust, that communication. Mm-hmm. But it's something entirely new that a lot of people don't get to experience. And I hear once you kind of try it, you are hooked is yeah. what I often see the 
response from people that take workshops like that. And I think there's probably people that are just like, yeah, I tried it and it wasn't my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. But now I'm wondering about this. It opened my mind to more sensory play. You know, you've got the rope kind of creating pressure or, or going across your wrist. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Like, what would it be like if we had flannel sheets or satin sheets or if we had a candle with a different scent? And all of this, you know, just, just opens opening the doors completely. Yeah. So you'll be doing a workshop on that? I will. Yes. Ah. I just I just launched it. If you go to the so down exciting. to their Yeah, if you go to the down to their Facebook page, uh, there's a link to the event. And then you said other events. Anything in the works yeah, too? Yeah, this is the pilot event. Um Great. my my goal is just to create events that help people who want to explore their sexuality with either individually or with their partner have kind of unique opportunities to do so. I've got a bunch of different ideas in my head, but that's the first one we're trying. Yeah. So for people listening, if they are kind of feeling like things need to change within their relationships or their sex lives, mm -hmm. what do you recommend? Yes, you said talk to therapists or talk to your doctor, yeah. but where should they really go or how do they find different opportunities? Because what if they don't know if rope is something that they want to try out or what would you say that they should start to explore? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I first started discussing any of this with our sex and relationship coach, like she would ask me, what's your fantasy? And I kind of looked at her and was like, I don't even know if I have fantasies. So that I don't even know question I think is really relevant. I love asking that question yeah. to couples and individuals that come through because sometimes people don't know. They have no idea. I mean, I really, like, I probably have half a dozen very visual fantasies in my head now after that discussion with my therapist. And now I'm starting to fantasize for the first time in my life, which is, it may seem like someone who's listening who has fantasies like that's crazy I don't understand what she means but I think there are probably just as many people out there that that's just not someplace they've gone yes mentally or emotionally or physically they just they've not done that where you start I think is conversation or go look for some book I have on my website I've got a resource section with a lot of different books depending on what it is that it's you phenomenal. might want to explore if you have not checked it out yet please do because she's got yeah. some great resources not just saying that <laughs> But it's true. You have some yeah. wonderful resources on your website. Well, and I reach out to a bunch of different therapists and sex educators and people who do these types of workshops to see what it was that they were like, this is a book you absolutely have to read. And so there's books for all different topics there and books about how to talk to <laughs> talk about sex with your kids and how to talk about sex with your spouse and all different sexual issues you might be encountering. And I really like books and TED Talks and things like that to inspire me. So that's an obvious place for me to start. I also started talking with my girlfriends. We'd ask questions like, well, uh, do you like giving blowjobs? Well, do you like? Suddenly there's a very interesting conversation that you can have with your friends that you can have with your spouse to really learn like, not just your gut reaction, like, oh, no, I don't like that, or I do like that, or I don't like that, and these, like, natural habits and people we've told ourselves that we are without really stopping to think about, well, am I that person, or do I really like that thing, or do I want to explore that thing? And A common response I often hear is, I can't really talk to my husband or my wife or my partner or I can't really talk to my friends about these things. I just know that it's not a conversation that just is discussed. If someone's listening doesn't really have those resources or people to turn mm -hmm. to, then what? Yeah, there's a great book out there. It's called The Conscious Sexual Self. Uh, it's a workbook by Melissa Fritchley, who's an MFT in Santa Cruz. And it's a great personal workbook. 
that just has you kind of think through some of these topics and has some like journaling and activities at the end of each section. I would say if it's a solo journey you're on right now, that's a great place to start. I was surprised. I thought I couldn't talk about these things with my friends or my husband. God forbid I talk about these things with my husband, right? He's like has resentment over years. Like how could I even approach this conversation? I was pleasantly surprised. My husband now considers this my superpower to talk like about <laughs> sex in public with people who it's never would talk about it. To have. <laughs> Love it. It's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So talking first off, but finding that exploration what else do you think listeners should really do to kind of find their own sexuality or explore yeah. it? I really enjoyed considering it research. I don't know what I like or don't like. Let me just research these things and consider your relationship in the bedroom kind of like a like an experiment, a laboratory where you can try different things. And so that took the edge off me, like, getting it right, right off the bat or, like, knowing what it was I liked or didn't like. And just kind of that mindset of, like, okay, maybe I've had decades of experience in sex, but what if I pretended like I was a beginner here and I was curious and could reevaluate everything? And that just that shift in mindset was really helpful to me. And there's so many workshops and events yeah. throughout the nation because I know a lot of people come from areas where there really aren't that many opportunities. But finding different workshops, reading different books, as you suggested, just putting yourself out there and trying different things to learn more about how you can really enhance your sexual life. It's, yeah. I think it's worth it. But. Is, yeah, the workshops are fantastic. And it, it may be hard. Sometimes when you're Googling those things, you're like, is this super skeevy? Is this like on yes. the up and up? And I know there's getting to be really nice adult toy stores around the nation. I was just going to go there. Yeah. Because being in the San Francisco Bay Area, a really well-respected toy store I like to talk about is Good Vibrations. Absolutely. They have fantastic workshops. Yep. And I like to send a lot of my couples there just to kind of put their feet in the water and try different things. And, you know, it's a great date night. Yeah. Like we always propose uh, this in the little group of girlfriends that I've got. We said like reverse date night where you first go to the toy store and you buy something and then you go to dinner, you know, all dinner long. You're like thinking about like what's going on or you could go get your toy. You could go back home for a little bit and then go out to dinner after. Yeah, it's just such a great shop. And they do have workshops, especially up in San Francisco, the other thing that they offer, which is really cool, is you can do a girls' night or a ladies' night there. I did not know that. Uh, yes, we've had two Learned of them. New here. It's, <laughs> it's super fun. So you can just call Ooh. them up and say, you know, I've got a group of, you know, 10 women that want to come. And they will literally spend two hours walking you through every single section of the store and telling you about all of the different things. And their educators are amazing. They know everything. They have yep. such an extensive training, so they make sure that everyone that works there knows their stuff. Absolutely. I am always impressed with how much yeah. they know. I'm not just saying yeah. <laughs> they know things in and out and back and forth. You name it. I might be going there right after this podcast. Ah. <laughs> well, yeah, it is down the street. It is. It is. <laughs> but it's a great place to check out. So I, even if you're not near a store, I'd say check out their website as well. They have some great toys and introductory toys to different areas that you might want to explore. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else that you think people should know about? The relationship coach that we went to, they had just put out a book called Making Love Real. And so a lot of the exercises that I kind of talked about in my experience are in that book. I think the Conscious Sexual Self Workbook is a really great one to start exploring. 
and it's a little bit more about like journaling and art and stuff like that and the making love real is a little bit more like if you want to try things out with your partner and exercises with your partner that book has more things along that line so how can people learn more about your work? Because you have some great training background. And I know I've been asked from a lot of people, what is somatica training? So yeah. if you can touch upon that Absolutely. a little bit, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So Celeste and Danielle, the ones who wrote the Making Love Real book, they've been together, I think, for the last 10 years. And their theory kind of is based in... If you look at psychology and the way that we kind of look at relationships, there's this scale from individuation and the approach of like, if we have very strong individuals and they're separate, then there's going to be this erotic connection between them and it's going to be great all the way through to the other end of the spectrum, which is this attachment theory, this kind of theory, like when you are younger, that if you bond well with your caretaker, it's going to be this loving and nurturing environment. And so there's this scale where you can kind of think about your relationship. Oh, am I going to be very securely attached or are we going to be two individuals? And their practice and their coaching kind of sits in the middle of that spectrum. We're both individuals as well as a couple and that should be securely attached, but also be a little bit separate and different. And that's what the kind of juice of the relationship is. And so their method, and they've got practitioners all over the Bay Area and I think even the world because they train people from all over, is really about that. It's about connecting with your own body, questioning some of the cultural and societal beliefs that you've been raised with, and really a lot of openness and permission that whatever it is that you desire, like, that's okay. And what are the ways that you can get that out of your relationship? And how can you understand what your partner wants? You know, how might you be able to both get what you need? We just found it hugely um, helpful. There's a lot of experiential exercises. So sometimes people go to a somatica practitioner just on their own, and sometimes they'll go there as well as with a sex therapist as well, you know, like a licensed marriage and family mm -hmm. therapist to kind of talk through some of the emotions coming up and then go to a somatica professional to say, okay, what I really want from my husband is dominance. Okay, well, let's talk about that. What does that look like? How does he show dominance to you? What would it look like if he slammed you up against the wall? Like mm -hmm. that kind of really getting down to brass tacks about what it means to be sexual. Because I've heard nothing but wonderful things about their training and the fact that you're trained in it. I'm dying to know if yeah. someone were to go and see you, what kind of things could they experience within the session or just Absolutely. in a workshop or whatnot, given that you have that background? I have started seeing a lot of women who um, I think the reason that they've kind of found me is because they were in a similar situation, right? They're in a long-term relationship. They have had problems with desire in their relationship. Sometimes it's in reverse. Sometimes yes. the, it's the other partner that has problems with desire. But what we do in a session is really break down what it is they want to work on and then how what it is that they want to work on, they can feel it in their body, not just talk about it, right? I felt like I wanted more dominance for my partner, but... I got embarrassed about that and I got giggly and I couldn't ask for it. And instead I would do something else and like, okay, well, what would it look like if I were faced with that dominance and could stand my ground and say, I want that? How could I explain that? How could I physically work through that? Now, what if yeah. someone cannot identify yeah. that? So yeah. I don't know what I need or I didn't know what was going on in my body at the time, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So then we might kind of go backwards a step and just say, okay, let's set that aside and let's actually work on some exercises to connect with your body. So that may be breathing exercises. It's a really great way to just slow down 
kind of go inside, <laughs> like forget the outside world and just do some breath work to connect. That was the first exercise I did. It's still probably my primary way to get back in touch with my body is to do breath work. If they've got the breath work down, I kind of think of this as feel it. And so that's like the breath work in other ways of like connecting with the sensations inside my body that I'm feeling. And then there's share it. So what if I were, I'm sitting here being all meditative, doing my breath work and my eyes are closed. Now I have to share it with my partner because they're in the room with me, right? So can I open my eyes and still maintain that sense of that sensation of feeling my desire and my arousal, can I open my eyes and can I share it with them? This may take sessions, you know? I was going to say, this is something that does not happen overnight. It typically takes a long time to build up for some people quickly, but just connecting with your body and those sensations, so important. And I cannot go quickly. It just cannot. I know a lot of people that come in, they're like, can I just get this done? I want to make sure that I can connect and feel my body, but... It takes time, like you just said. Yeah. So you feel it, and then you open your eyes. Maybe you can share it. Maybe you can share it through touch. And then there's this whole concept of, like, no, let's move with it. That, like you said, there's so many layers, and it just takes time breaking this down into the tiniest of steps. It's kind of like doing any other physical activity, yoga or whatever. You're not just going to be, like, this great person that can do headstands all, you know, right away. You, You kind of work up to it. And that's the beauty, again, around your sexuality is that it takes time to learn different things that you enjoy. It takes time to discover what it is that you need either that day or that month or maybe 10 years from now. I mean, it's always going to be shifting and changing and you always have to have that open curiosity and exploration around Mm -hmm. it. That's what I love about sexuality, period. Well, it's, it's the part I love and it's also the part that honestly can be frustrating both for myself and my partner, right? If like yesterday this thing totally worked and then tomorrow it doesn't work at all. It's super confusing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that kind of in somatica, people work through. People are not mind readers. It's, it, I wish they were, but they're not, right? <laughs> It'd be nice for many occasions, yeah. but it's not the situation at hand. Exactly. So leaving the listeners with a note, is there anything that they should take away? Oh, uh, that's a great question. I think what I would love listeners to take away is that there is the possibility to create the sexual life that you want for yourself. I definitely lived decades thinking that my sex life and the way that I felt about sex was just the way that it was. And I I don't know. I just hadn't explored it and opened my eyes to possibilities. And the fact that sex can be this thing that gets richer and richer throughout my life. And that's where I'm at now. And I think it's a really exciting and fun and alive place to be. I was going to say, it can be fun. (laughs) I have to throw that out there. It can be fun. Yes. Sex should be fun. And and it makes you alive. Like, if I'm in an elevator now, I mean, people kind of, like, look at me and want to talk to me. And I'm on an airplane. And people start talking. Like, really, like, when you own that part of your life, something changes. It's a whole different piece to the puzzle that sometimes has been missing for a lot of people, but it's such a huge, crucial part of who we are. Mm -hmm. Whether you agree with that or not, some people don't. But, (laughs) I mean, I think that's just one piece to the pie of what makes up a relationship, makes up who we are. So it's important that we pay attention to that Yeah, it's made me a better wife and mother and friend and sister and all of those things. If listeners want to learn more about you, I know you mentioned your blog, but where can people get information about you? Yeah, so uh, my website is www.downtothere.com, and I also have a Facebook page and a Twitter account, all down to there. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you again for joining me today. Thank you for having me. If you guys want to learn more about Pam and her work, I'll have all that fun stuff up on my website at www.rissocounseling.com. And again, if you want to keep this conversation going about mental or sexual health, find my website. Let me know and I will get that going for you. But until then, let's do it. Well, I, uh, Hope it was as good for you as it uh, was for me. That was great. Uh, this is this this is awkward. Cue the music. Want more? Visit www.rissocounseling.com for more ideas on mental health, relationships, <laughs> and sex.